I know how important it is in the city to have a black voice and to have uh, people that look like them represent the city that they live in, you know? Welcome to Journalism History, a podcast that rips out the pages of your history books to re-examine the stories you thought you knew and the ones you were never told. I'm Terry Finneman, and I research media coverage of women in politics. And I'm Nick Hershon, and I research the history of New York sports media. And I'm Ken Ward, and I research the journalism history of the Great Plains and Rocky Mountains. And together, we are professional media historians guiding you through our own drafts of history. Transcripts of the show are available at journalism-history.org slash podcast. This episode is sponsored by Taylor & Francis, the publisher of our academic journal, Journalism History. This week, the Journalism History podcast is featuring the winners of our National Student Podcast Competition. Throughout the week, you'll be hearing from students across the nation as they share their stories of journalism history. I'm Murray Goldberg from Louisiana State University. Today, we'll be having a discussion about Memphis Sports Radio, its past, present, and future. I've had the opportunity to speak with four amazing individuals about their experiences in Memphis Sports Radio. I'll go ahead and introduce them now. Jeff Calkins is an award-winning sports columnist of the Daily Memphian and formerly of the Commercial Appeal. He is currently the host of the Jeff Calkins Show on 92.9 FM ESPN from 9 to 11. He was born in Buffalo, New York, and is one of the only non-native Memphian sports radio hosts currently on air. He attended Harvard and Harvard Law School. Jeff has a long-time radio presence in Memphis spanning over 20 years. Anthony Sane, a native Memphian, is currently the co-host of Mornings with Peter and Anthony on Sports 56 WHBQ. He has a background in journalism and also serves as a contributor to SportsIllustrated.com. He is one of only five people of color in the radio-slash-podcast-host-slash-co-host positions in the city. He is known for his self-admitted no-nonsense, cut-the-bullshit takes on sports. Devin Walker, at age 26, is one of the youngest members of the group. He is the co-host of the Chris Vernon Show on Grind City Media. He also serves as a social media coordinator for the Memphis Grizzlies. He is a native Memphian and attended the University of Memphis for his undergraduate degree. He originally got his start interning for the Chris Vernon Show while it was still on the radio on 92.9 FM. Last and certainly not least is John Roser. John Roser is the longtime producer of the Chris Vernon Show on Grind City Media and formerly on 92.9 FM ESPN. He also serves as the play-by-play commentator for the Memphis Grizzlies G League affiliate team, the Memphis Hustle. We'll start out our story covering the major organizations in play in Memphis Sports Radio. WHBQ 560 AM, currently branded as Sports 56 WHBQ, had their first broadcast on March 25, 1925. They were one of the earliest stations in Memphis. In 1954, WHBQ was acquired by RKO General, which turned it into a leading top 40 station. They used WHBQ as a farm team for RKO's larger stations. Young and aspiring DJs with hopes of moving up to larger markets would work there. By the early 80s, the top 40 station could no longer compete with the increasing popularity of other FM-branded contemporary music stations in town. They tried playing oldies in the early 80s, but then switched to a full-service talk radio format. In 1988, RKO sold WHBQ to Flynn Broadcasting, a local Memphis media company. Flynn tried oldies again, then country music, 
and even heavy metal late at night. In 1992, WHBQ switched to all sports. They were affiliated for a time with CBS Sports Radio and then NBC Sports Radio. In 2018, they switched to a Fox Sports Radio affiliation. They began simulcasting to FM 98.5 in October 2020. They are the area home for Ole Miss football and men's basketball, as well as the AAA minor league team, the Memphis Redbirds. They feature four daily scheduled talk shows, Mornings with Peter and Anthony, Middays with Greg and Eli, Happy Hour with Johnny Radio, and Sports Time on Sports 56 with Wolo and Stats. 92.9 FM ESPN, formerly known as WMFSFM, was originally launched in 1995 by Bell's Broadcasting as Solid Rock 92.9 MFS. In 2001, they were acquired by Infinity Broadcasting and rebranded as 93X, an alternative music station. In 2006, they were purchased by Intercom Communications, where it switched to 92.9 ESPN. They are the flagship station for the NBA's Memphis Grizzlies. Recently, they began simulcasting to Radio.com, as well as using that as a space to host their previously recorded shows. They also feature four daily scheduled talk shows, The Jeff Calkins Show, the Jason John Show, Giannato and Jeffrey, and the Gary Parish Show. By the ratings and the numbers, 92.9 is the premier sports radio station in Memphis. The newcomer to the group, Grand City Media, is the in-house media and news company of the Memphis Grizzlies. They feature sports talk shows such as The Chris Vernon Show, Rise and Grind, Just Grizzlies, The Odds Couple, and Grind City Wrestling. They have two shows, Rise and Grind and The Chris Vernon Show, which are presented in both live production live stream audio and video format. The catalyst for the creation of Grind City Media was when Chris Vernon and Intercom Media had contractual differences over Chris's show, which had existed on 92.9 FM ESPN, for close to 10 years. Chris decided to switch his show to a podcast format, and that's when he was picked up by Grand City Media and the Memphis Grizzlies, and as they say, the rest is history. Any story that's about Memphis Sports Radio must at some point mention one name, George Lapidus. George is considered by many to be the father of Memphis Sports Radio. He got his start on WHER in the early 1970s. George also held careers in journalism, higher education as the athletic director of Rhodes College, and as the GM of the Memphis Chicks, a Kansas City Royals-affiliated minor league team. At his retirement from radio on May 31, 2016, just a month before he passed away from idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, he capped off a 45-year-long career in radio and the distinction of being the longest-running daily radio show in the country. Here's an excerpt from my conversation with Jeff Calkins about George. You know, George, and like a lot of radio people, they start out in newspapers, particularly once upon a time. And so George was a newspaper guy uh, at the Pressimeter um, until it folded. And, and along the way, he started doing sports talk radio sort of just as a way of driving readership to the uh, – to the newspaper because they were in a battle, the press seminar and the commercial appeal. But when I got here, yeah, it was the, in the same way that you would pick up the newspaper to read what the columnist had to say, you would turn on sports 56 to hear what George had to say. And George, I will say this, he had a newspaper's men, person's mentality. So he, like on the TV, show, I was stunned when I moved here because at the Commercial Appeal, we would assign people to watch 
the t- the news, the TV news station that broadcast every evening that George was on. Why? Because there was a good chance, there was some chance he might break news. I came from Florida. The idea of assigning someone to watch local TV because they might break news, they didn't break news. Bruce was all broken by the newspapers. We had a newspaper war down there. So, But I credit George. Like, he brought that. He always wanted to break news. And that was true in on TV, and that was true on radio. He had an ego. There's no question. It was almost... He was almost... It was easy to sort of parody. There are a lot of George Lapidus parodies, but that's in a way, many ways a compliment. He was sort of a, he was a little bit of a, the Howard Cosell of Memphis in the sense that he was this sort of smaller Jewish guy who talked a lot and, and, but everyone listened to him and everyone, you know, um, he was sort of, I guess by that, I mean, he was an unlikely uh, sports talk show host. Of all the radio personalities I interviewed, almost all of them attributed some of their success on the foundations that George Lapidus created for Memphis Sports Radio. Most sports radio hosts in Memphis get their job from traditional routes, such as becoming a journalist first. Here's Jeff on how he got started in radio with George, his transition to 92.9 FM, and some insight into sports radio culture in Memphis. It's obvious. Like, in a place like Memphis, you move, Memphis, you move here... And you have opinions and immediately you get put on the radio, like uh, as a guest, right? I mean, I'm like Danielle Lerner is hired at the Daily Memphian to cover the Memphis Tigers. And all of a sudden she pops up on the radio. Drew Hill was covered and obviously he's on the radio. So that's an easy, you, you get, a, you get to be a guest very quickly, um, but not a paid guest necessarily. Like most local radio stations don't pay anything to their guests. Um, so then George asked me to be his sidekick and, uh, at one point, and that was probably in the early 2000s. And I don't know how long I did that, a couple of years. Um, and he not paid very, I was paid $26,000 a year or something like to be his sidekick. And, um, and it was very clearly George's show. So in that way it was easy. I just had to show up and sort of make fun of George every once in a while and, um, you know, be the dry counterpart. And, but then what happened was, is that then, um, I I was offered a show, Gary Parrish and I were offered a show on uh, on 730, which was this outfit that decided that they wanted to, from Utah, they wanted to make a big splash and say they offered me and Gary Parrish a lot of money to do a show. And they had lots of big promises. And so I, we, I kind of had a split with George at the time because he was mad at me that I left. And... Um, in the end, we reconciled and we're good friends when he died. But um, but so Gary and I went over there. And within three months, they realized they didn't have enough money or advertising to be able to pay us. But we had good contracts. So we just we just were then paid not to work for the year because they basically, you know. And um, so then what happened was somewhere in there, 92.9, the current station, Dan Barron, who was the head of the station was going to turn it from being a rock station. And he came to me and Gary at the time it was the Jeff and Gary show. And, uh, and he wanted to do, he wanted to move us over to his station. And, um, we, uh, and I, but he wanted a drive time show and I couldn't do drive time cause I was a divorced dad with three boys. And in the afternoon, you're 
you're schlepping your kids everywhere if you're a divorced dad. And so we came up with the idea of calling it the Gary Parish show with Jeff Calkins and I would just phone in at five o'clock every day. That way my name would still be on it to help draw people in, but Gary would be the main. And Gary wasn't as big then as he is now. You know, he wasn't, back then I was better known than Gary locally. Um, you know, now he, Gary's a big deal. Um, so, but anyway, so that's what we did. I would just come on the phone, which is sort of a weird arrangement at five o'clock every day. Um, and Gary made a great success of it. Like he's really good at sports talk radio. He's smart. He's funny. He has ideas, but he's, he's sort of, you know, a Mississippi kid. So he, he's easy to relate to. Um, and then what happened is that station just built from there. You know, they added Chris Vernon, um, they added Eric Castletine, and then they, you know, somewhere in there, they added me and, uh, and then Vernon left and, you know, the rest like John and Jason, John came on and whatever else. But at the time, Dan was a little skeptical that sports talk in Memphis would work as a 24 hour enterprise because he's an Alabama fan. And he's like in Alabama, in Birmingham, you can talk about Alabama 365 days a year in green Bay or Milwaukee. You can talk about the pet, like, he was like, what is, in Memphis, we're so splintered. Is there, will we be able to, will it be sustainable? And what's happened is that station has tremendous ratings, really. And and with all due respect, like dwarfs 560. 560 doesn't appear on the ratings, basically. And, um, um, but most of us do the same thing, which is that, which is what Gary did once and what I do and whatever else, which is, yeah, we talk about sports, but we talk probably 60% sports and 40% other stuff. And like, I'm an intent listener in Buffalo back because I'm, I'm still listening to us to bills and sabers. So I listen to WGR and they're much more heavily sports. And if they ever stray from sports, I'm like, I, I want to be listening to the bills. Why are you talking about ranking, you know, donut flavors or something? But here, that mix has seemed to work. I mean, for the last, you know, since COVID, about half my talk has been sort of COVID talk, really. Um, so it's an interesting sports talk town, but I think um, it's been fun uh, what we've sort of created over there. Although most of the personalities on air today have come from the quote-unquote traditional system of becoming a locally known contributor to sports journalism, first, before making the jump to radio, there is one name that my guest continued to bring up who forced his own path into radio. Anthony Sane. Is Anthony Sane. Anthony Sane. Anthony Sane, the current host of Mornings with Peter and Anthony on Sports 56 WHBQ. I spoke with Anthony about his journey into sports radio and becoming a household name in the Memphis sports radio sphere. Here's a little from him. As far as uh, sports are concerned, when I was in school, uh, you know, you would, I was, I was a guy that would kind of always kind of have something to say about the about school sports. Like I was kind of a commentator, even back then, I always had an opinion of everything that was going on in sports and people would, I found that people would listen to me. Uh, I don't know really why they listened to me, but you know, that I was, that was just something I was always kind of, you know, in tune with. And um, as far as, uh, as an adult's concerned, um, good friend of mine, uh, Brooks Hansen, who's over uh, Memphis 24-7, which is, used to be Memphis Roar back at the time. Um, the University of Memphis had just hired Josh Passner. He had got this uh, this great team together, that Joe Jackson class. Uh, they were getting ready to start. And uh, the uh, Bluff City Classic had came back to Memphis. And um, I was a big fan of Memphis Roar. I was on there every day. 
every day for something. So I uh, reached out to Brooks on Facebook. I was like, hey, um, I plan on going to the game. If you need me for anything, you know, let me know. Now, what that meant, I don't know. I was just, I don't know what that meant. He was like, well, are you on Twitter? I was like, yeah, I'm on Twitter. He said, well, he said, well, here, here's a login to the Twitter account for, for Memphis Roar. Go to the go to the event and kind of tweet what you see. So I'm like, hell, man! Like, what do you what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, this was, you know, you're talking about ten years ago. You know what I mean? It, so, live tweeting was is something you see all the time now. But I didn't know what he meant, and I, he gave me the, the you know the sticks to the to the video game, the, the controller, so to speak. So, um, I was there and I was doing that, and I was like, man, I write a little bit. I said, you know, I've 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 been a creative writer. I, my goal. Uh, when I came out of college, I wanted to be a, a comic book writer. I wanted to write stories for comic books and draw comic books. And that's what I wanted to do. And I thought that was going to happen. But um, so I told Brooks, I said, I'm a pretty creative dude. So I've never done sports writing, but I'm sure I could do it. You know, she was like, yeah, man, knock it, knock it out, whatever. So uh, I would do things for books every now and again. And um, that turned into me kind of writing for Memphis Roy every now and again or whatever. And, um, and then that turned into me wanting to do things with the Grizzlies. And that turned into me kind of starting my own blog at one time that never really jumped off. Um, and then I started writing for uh, Three Shades of Blue, uh, the OG in, in, in the blog sphere, so to speak. Um, and then that turned into uh, me starting my own blog. And then, no, that turned into me writing for the Tri-State Defender, I think. Something like that, man, I don't know. It's, it's too much going on. So I started writing for the Tri-State Defender. Um, and then that turned into me starting my own blog as well as writing for the Tri-State Defender. Uh, Blue Blue World Order was the uh, website I had. Um, and then that turned into that turned into uh, the Memphis Flyer, which is my first paid gig that I had as far as writing is concerned. I felt like I had made it at that point, you know. So um, that turned into uh, the Sports Illustrated Maven thing. Uh, and then um, going back a little bit, me and my good friend Cam Rose, we started a, um, we, we did paid radio where we were paying for airtime on AM 730, which is a uh, basically a trailer park in Nutbush where they did <laughs> they do AM radio, uh, paying for time, you know, uh, doing that, just getting my chops up. We were doing a show that came on at, was it four in the morning? It was five in the morning, five to seven, something like that. We were doing super early radio, me and Cam, we're doing super early AM radio. Uh, just getting our chops up, man, you know? And then and really the only reason why we were doing that is because we want a quality podcast. We were getting up doing this early show. Like, man, we'll get up before y'all get here, give us some airtime and let us get a quality podcast. Cause this is before you could literally just stick a freaking iBuds, you know, so like AirPods in your phone and do a podcast. You know, it was way before those that time. So we was like, man, we just want to do it. That seems like so long ago, technology-wise. It was only like five or six years ago. So um, we were doing radio just to get a quality podcast. And it, we started finding out that people actually were tuning in early in the morning to listen to us. Um, I had a guy, a friend of mine, he told me, he said, man, I used to get up every morning at five and listen to y'all. And it just it just kind of hit me, man. Like I was, I was tearful almost to think about it. You know what I mean? And... Um, so that led into us saying, hey, let's screw this whole radio thing. Let's figure out how to just make a good podcast. And we started the Outsiders podcast, uh, very successful podcast here in the city of Memphis, you know, huge cult following. 
and we had the uh, Owl Hours was our thing. We would we would put out a late night podcast at you know 10, 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday. That was when we always dropped the podcast. And we always just come out of nowhere and we would put a, we would put an owl emoji up and people knew it was coming. Uh, just a great run that me and Cam had. Um, and then that turned into um, uh, guest hosting for the Jason and John show. Uh, not, I'm sorry, uh, being a guest on the Jason and John show, which was a great opportunity for me, uh, put me in front of a lot of people, man. Um, just having fun with those guys. Jason Smith is a huge mentor of mine. Uh, look at me like a big brother. Uh, somebody I look at for spiritual advice. Uh, look at, I look at him as a role model, as a father. He's a brother, a friend to me. Like, seriously, like Jason Smith is my guy. Um, and then that turned into um, guest hosting for 92.9 um, this past summer. And it was a tremendous opportunity. I guest hosted for um, every show on that station except for Giannato and Jeffrey. Uh, I, I I guess hold it for uh guess hosted for Calkins, just guess hold it for Gary Parrish, uh Jason and John show. Just had a great time, man, learning from the guys over there. Um uh Brad Carson is just a genius in 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 the radio business, honestly. I mean, he he comes off as a guy that's kind of a golly gee, goofy guy on the radio, but behind the scenes, he's got a wealth of, wealth of information. And he really, you know, gave me a lot of wisdom. Um, and just kind of tells it how it is. Uh after that, uh an opportunity came up. Good friend of mine, CJ Hurt at Sports 56. He left um, Sports 56 mornings and took a job uh, working for the Memphis Grizzlies with uh, Grand City Media. An opportunity came up for me and I, uh, I prayed about it and uh, people at Sports 56 reached out to me and they gave me an opportunity to have my own show. And, and I became the only the fifth um, black radio host in the city of Memphis. Anthony brings up a good point here. With a population in Memphis that is over 60% African-American, there's been a distinct lack of minority representation in Memphis sports radio. I spoke with Devin Walker of Grind City Media, who has the distinction of becoming the first African-American on-air voice on 92.9 ESPN when he began working for The Chris Vernon Show, about the importance of being a black voice in Memphis sports radio. It means almost like everything, man, because I think when you look back, that's something when I got into it, uh, when I didn't really know much about it, um, there's one thing I kind of I, I kind of notice is as, as like 19, 20, 21 year old, 22 year old, is you notice in sports radio that not, a lot of people don't look like you, and and it blows my mind in a, in a city like Memphis where it's predominantly black, where you didn't do before before me, at 99 there had been a there had been a black person to work there. I was the first black person to ever work in 92.9. I'm the Jackie Robinson of 92.9. So like before, before me, um, they had never had it. They, they didn't have a black person to work there. So I think for me, it was huge because I know how important it is in the city to have a black voice and to have uh, people that look like them represent the city that they live in, you know? Cause like I said, my, my dad, my dad didn't really get in sports radio until I got into it. Like I started working in it. And for my dad to be able to go to like my church, which is in a predominantly black community or my barbershop where it's predominantly black in North Memphis and to tell them that my son works in sports radio, that, that kind of like that, that was super dope for me. Cause it's like, I, I don't think, I don't think people of my culture understand like in the city, how, how, how not, the, the less number of us that is in sports radio, I guess that's a way to put it. But uh, I think personally for me, it, it means so much because it's like, man, 
I'm doing something that I love. I'm representing my culture. I'm representing my people. And I'm being able to do it on a platform where not many people that look like me get to do it. As time has gone on, more and more African-American voices have joined Memphis Sports Radio. But there is still progress to be made in producing a radio product that accurately reflects the cultural diversity in Memphis. Thanks for tuning in, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at JHistoryJournal. Until next time, I'm your host, Terry Finneman, signing off with the words of Edward R. Murrow. Good night and good luck. Good night.